Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Okay, so Eric Bill said it didn't make your newscast, but candidly, if you want to be upset about a, a court decision, and if you want to find evidence of, of a breakdown, in my opinion, of the law, and a classic example of how money money talks, you had a story that did not make your newscast, and it was... Uh, the Robert Kraft story. The Robert Kraft so story. So the Patriots owner, Robert Kraft, will not face trial on charges that he paid for a massage parlor sex. The prosecutor is now announcing today they are dropping the misdemeanor charge against Kraft. So here is the background on this. Robert Kraft, who is a billionaire, the owner of the New York, uh, of the of the New England Patriots, he he, he lives in Palm Beach, Florida. Mm-hmm. Now, th- this, this is bizarre on so many levels because there is apparently in a strip mall within like 15 minutes of his house, there's a, a massage parlor where you can get more than your typical massage, let us say that. And so the local authorities get information indicating that, well, they are offering, you know, more than the typical deep tissue massage, if you know what I mean. So the authorities, in an effort to investigate this, they go to, they, they go to a judge, they get a search warrant, and it, allowing them to put cameras in the massage parlor so they can determine what exactly is going on and lo and behold in the space of like five days they get 25 not one not two 25 guys who are showing up for happy endings at the massage parlor including the billionaire owner of the new england patriots robert Kraft. now i now, Eric, let me just stop it at that point in time. When, when this story first broke, I'm thinking, okay, you're the billionaire owner of the of the of the New England Patriots, and you're you're driving 15 miles to a massage parlor in a strip in a strip mall to to get that done. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you'd think that you'd have enough money to bring people in if that's what you wanted or something, right? I mean, seriously, it's these drive. Actually, he, he had somebody drive him there. That was it. He had his driver drive him there. Oh, here, where are we going? Well, I've got to get on the private plane in about an hour and a half. I've got, I've got some time. So anyhow, so the, the cops put in this, these cameras. And like I say, it's, this apparently this was pretty much well known because they, they get 25 people, including Robert Kraft. So it violated the customer's right to privacy. That was the ruling that the court made right. a, a month ago. Right. See, now in Florida, there is nothing wrong with this. There, there's no there's no law against this. But Kraft, who has more money than God, who is guilty as hell. I mean, he drives to the strip mall. He goes in and. You know, there, there's no argument that he did what he did or had what he had done to him done to him. It, there's no he's guilty as hell, but he's also rich. So he decides we are going to try. He hires the most expensive legal talent in the country and they roll into the, this community in Palm Beach and they start filing all these motions in Florida. There's nothing wrong. And the cops got a search warrant. I mean, it wasn't like they just, you know, put this in there. They went to a court. They said, hey, this is uh, it there. It's a place of prostitution. We've got probable cause. We want to get the evidence. So they get the authority to put the cameras in. No problem with Florida law. The Kraft um, attorneys 
say, well, even though this isn't in violation of Florida law, it violates a federal law that requires police to minimize the intrusion of the cameras and focus only on crimes. So in other words, I I guess they're saying that even though Kraft is a criminal in what he did, because the cameras could have depicted other people just getting a massage that didn't end like his ended, um, that means that Kraft should get a pass. I think this is absolutely outrageous and ridiculous, as you could possibly tell. But here's the problem. You've got this, this DA in Florida who, th- these are, these are misdemeanor cases and he, he, I'm, he's got people getting murdered. You got all this other stuff going on. And the question becomes, do you want to spend the next year and a half of your life and hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not more, of taxpayer money trying to to chase down this strip mall massage parlor that's probably out of business now and the sleazeball owner of the New England Patriots. <laughs> you laugh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> but, but I mean, I, but here is where, seriously, I mean, as an attorney, as a recovering attorney, this is the stuff that aggravates me because if it was just Eric Bilstadt <clears throat> Or my producer grew that decide that they're they're going to go to the massage parlor in the strip mall and get busted like this. You know that you know you're you're not you don't have hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars or whatever it is to try to hire the best legal talent in the country and try to fight this and be willing to say okay you know we're we're gonna we're gonna take this up to the Supreme Court. You're just gonna plead to the misdemeanor, apologize to your wife, and, and hope to move on, right? <laughs> uh, yes, I guess so, yes. In that scenario, not that you would be there, but anyhow, um, Kraft defeats Florida in prostitution yep, yep. case appeal. It's just... Uh, again, it, it's just it's one of these. And I, I look, I I care. I could care less whether the, the billionaire owner of the New England Patriots is is patronizing this place other than I think it's really, really a weird story. But but the idea that if for people who wonder if the court system is stacked in favor of really, really rich people. This is kind of example A as to why there might be some truth to mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Robert Kraft walks away. Go figure. Um, all right. Let us let us get. See, now, I just, Eric Eric brought that up during the newscast, and I was calmed down. I mean, it's just, I've, I've already gone from, like, zero to boiling already, just because, uh, again, I I think the legal system generally works. I, I think it, it does. It is not perfect. Sometimes guilty people go free. Sometimes, sometimes people who might not be guilty get convicted. I, I understand. It is not a perfect system, but I think it's pretty darn good. Uh, but, you know, for people who say it's not colorblind, it's not uh, money blind, this is one of these stories that kind of demonstrates it. Because, again, my guess is if it was an average person, not the billionaire owner of the New England Patriots, they would have just paid their fine. They would have taken their misdemeanor and they would have moved on as they should have. Because, by the way, the guy is guilty as heck. All right. Um, a, a picture is worth a thousand words. I will describe this, but if you follow me on Twitter, I'm at Jeff Wagner 620. I have a link to the story as it appeared on, on Channel 12. I only saw it on Channel 12 because eh, I think probably a lot of people thought uh, they're, they're kind of stretching for news. But but I thought there was a couple interesting aspects of this. All right, here is the deal. Um, high school football is starting up again. And what happens is that at Brookfield East, and this is not uncommon, you know, at every every year as the team starts its games and stuff, the the supporters will come out with with a T-shirt 
you know, for the particular year. I have a picture of it up on, again, on Twitter. It's at Jeff Wagner 620 if you haven't seen this. And, and this year is no different. They roll out a, a T-shirt um, for the support of the team. I, I will try to describe it. Okay, the, the T-shirt, it, it's it's got a rectangle on it, all right? And the, the colors they use are dark blue and red and white. So it's red, white, and, and blue. The T-shirt is a rectangle. Um, in the rectangle, there are the following letters. On the first line, capital letters that are blue surrounded by with like red lining. It says Brookfield East. Okay. Underneath Brookfield East, in capital letters that are red, it says Spartan Football. And then underneath that, in capital letters that are white, it says Superfan. Brookfield East, Spartan Football, Superfan. And then underneath that, it says 2020. Okay, so Brookfield East, Spartan Football, Superfan 2020. Again, the colors are like red, dark blue, and, and white. Right? Now, if you, if you hear my description of that, you say, Jeff, why are we talking about this? What, what could be the controversy? It, it, they are the Spartans. I mean, I understand maybe in today's day and age, there's people who are upset with the term Spartans, but they're, they're Spartans. Superfan, well, I don't know that that's politically incorrect, but it, you've got so superfan. So Brookfield East, name of the school, Spartan football, superfan, 2020. So you might say, what is the controversy? Why did this end up on television? Well, here is the story on Channel 12. Some Brookfield East high school students are pushing back against the design of a T-shirt for fans of their favorite team. Their objections? It looks too much like a Trump campaign sign. The T-shirt created some buzz around Brookfield East and on social media. Some students were expressing concern about this. So what Channel 12 does is they go start go to neighbors. They, they find a Trump supporter who lives across the street from the school. And then they find um, her neighbor who's a Biden backer. They both got Biden or Trump signs up in the wall. They say, OK, here's the here's the design. What, what, does it remind you of anything? And they both look at and says and say, no, it doesn't remind us of of anything. It does, doesn't look like that at all. And then the reporter says, well, um, you know, does it remind you of a political sign? And they look at it and they go, no, <laughs> it, it doesn't. But in regardless, doesn't make any difference because all you need. And then they find some kid who says, well, I just I just think we could do a lot better. This this looks like a Trump sign. And so all you need is is one or two cranks on, on social media to say, gee, this looks like a political sign. And immediately the, the district says, oh, well, we, we, we don't want to do that. We don't want to offend anybody at all. So I tell you what, you know, we, we, we don't we're not going to say how much opposition there was other than the fact that there's like a handful of people going, this is a political sign. But they say, OK, we're we're going to come up with something new. We are going to bail on a T-shirt that says Brookfield East Spartan football super fan 2020 because a handful and I mean, it can't be more than a handful of people look at it. And in the total spirit of Trump derangement syndrome, say, oh, this, it looks like a, it looks like a political sign. Presumably maybe because it, it's similar to some of the colors that you might use on a Trump Pence sign. 
855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I honestly acknowledge that this is the kind of stuff that makes my head just absolutely want to explode. Where, number one, that you have these people who wake up looking for something to be offended on a daily basis. But then secondly, when they find something or manufacture this in their mind, they then go to social media and all you need, then it creates this outroar. Oh my gosh, we, we've got to back down on this because all, all we need is one or two people that say that they are offended by a t-shirt, which is completely and totally innocuous. But because somebody says they're offended, oh, oh, this is just absolutely terrible. We've got to back off. My point is, look, I don't care what t-shirts they use for Brookfield East, but you look at something like this. I mean, if you are seeing this is a subliminal way to express support for for Trump Pence, you've got a lot of problems. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss for one segment. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you want to see a picture of the shirt, I, I, I have a link to the Channel 12 story. If you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. But I mean, I, I, I described it. it. It's a red, white, and blue super fan shirt. It says Brookfield East. And then, you know, underneath that, it has the nickname of the team, which is, of course, um, you know, Spartan football. And then it says Super Fan 2020. Some, some kid says, oh, I, th- this is, it, it's, it's like a Trump sign. You know, you, you show it, to, and it, it is funny. The reporters, they go out and they show it to these people in the community who look at it and say, we don't recognize this as a, as a Trump sign. But nevertheless, all you need is one or two squeaky wheels to complain, and they've got to change the shirt. Now, again, I, I could care less what T-shirt they have at Brookfield East, but you want to talk about waking up, you know, politically correct and perpetually offended. I, I'm telling you something. If this is the biggest issue out of Brookfield East, you folks are doing really well. Debbie in Brookfield. Debbie, you're in WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. How are you today? Real well, thank you. What do you think? Well, I had four kids go to Brookfield East. I was there 12 years in a row, and I've got a million T-shirts that look. I haven't seen it, but from what you described, I can picture it. Their colors are red, white, and blue. Yep. They might as well change their colors if they're not going to allow a red, white, and blue T-shirt. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. You know, it, it's interesting that you should mention it, Debbie, because I've heard from several people who are in situations like you. They're, they're, they're parents who've had had you know, several kids that go through there and they're saying, you know, we're, we're looking at all the different t-shirts that our kids have brought home every year. Oh, yeah. And, and, and it's, it's I'm actually, sure it's kind of like the same design. T-shirt. Yes. Yes. I'm I, sure I have a super fan t-shirt for every sport at Brookfield Day, at right. least one. And, and, and they my, all look similar to what you described. Yeah. And there's never been an issue before. Well, well, no, and it's just not. And I guess what, what's frustrating again, like I say, I, I I don't care if somebody wants to if if they want to change the design or whatever. But my guess is this is very similar to lots of the other ones, and it was never a problem. And no reasonable person would have looked at it and thought this is a subliminal way to endorse Trump Pence. But but because we right. live in this era where the squeaky wheel gets the grease, and you've got the Internet, and all you have to do is put something up on social media and people freak out, that's what you're seeing happen. Right. And, well, then that kid just doesn't have to wear the shirt. No problem. Um, yeah, right. right. Well, well, thanks for the call. Right. I, I, exactly. And, of course, this is the yeah, – I, I understand the, the administration nowadays – 
they're like, well, we, we just we just don't want to get into this fight. And as, as long instead of just going to a couple of the kids who whined about this and saying, look, snowflakes. I mean, here, here's here's the deal. There, there's there's no connection to this, and you're really trying to manufacture something where there's not. I, instead of doing that, we just simply say, okay, well, we just don't want anybody to be offended. We're all about unity, and, and so we're we're going to you know move on. Jeff, what it was it was if it was an Obama sign, you would never say a word about it. Well, if 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 they designed a T-shirt that again was an Obama sign. Brookfield East, support Obama, super fan. Yeah, I might have an issue there. But the point is, I my point is, I don't think any reasonable person would have ever seen it. Now, I understand there's some people, and you might know who you are, that suffer from Trump derangement syndrome, and you wake up every day just looking for that thing to be offended by. And if he, in fact, loses in November and is out of office in January, you're going to have to find something else to get yourself worked up for in 2021. Um, so, you know, but but the bottom line of all this is, you know, it's it's a T-shirt and it's not America great and make America great T-shirt. I mean, what's going to happen now if, if somebody comes to school wearing red hats? Are you going to have to get rid of those as well? It's just some point in time. I, I understand that people are out there. They're looking to be offended. They want to find stuff to get angry about. Well, my guess is there's probably enough real stuff in the world to get angry about that if you're obsessing over, gee, I think this T-shirt in somebody's mind might make somebody think of a Trump pen sign. I'm telling you something. You desperately, desperately, desperately need to do one thing, three words, get a life. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. The votes are in. Now it's time to find out the winners. The Wisconsin Sports Awards are coming, and they'll be unlike any WSAs before. Tune in next Monday as we broadcast the Wisconsin Sports Awards right here on 620 WTMJ. The ninth annual Wisconsin Sports Awards are presented by Gruber Law Office's Cousin Subs, Potosi Brewing Company, and American Family Insurance. It all happens next Monday, September 28th at 6 o'clock on 620 WTMJ. Colin Kaepernick. Everybody knows Colin Kaepernick, right? Former NFL quarterback who started a lot of the social justice movement and some of the controversy by kneeling for the national anthem. He has weighed in on the Breonna Taylor shooting. Here's the headline. Abolish the police. Former NFL quarterback Colin Kaepernick voiced his frustration on Wednesday over a grand jury's decision to indict one of three police officers involved in the shooting of Breonna Taylor with criminal charges. Quote, The white supremacist institution of policing that stole Breonna Taylor's life from us must be abolished for the safety and well-being of our people, Kaepernick wrote on Twitter. The white supremacist institution of policing must be abolished for the safety and well-being of our people. Well, we're going to talk about Breonna Taylor for a minute, but I... Here's what it would be interesting if somebody would try to explain to Mr. Kaepernick. If you look at America in 2020, let's start with, for example, let's just start with the city of Milwaukee. The city of Milwaukee is on pace for almost 200 homicides. That may be an all-time record. Even if we don't hit 200 homicides this year, it is pretty much sure that you're going to go have to go back 
30 years or more to find a similar number of homicides. And, and while Milwaukee, if you look at it percentage-wise, the, the increase in Milwaukee is one of the largest in the country. The experience in Milwaukee with homicides is no different in substantial ways than Baltimore or Chicago, Minneapolis, other urban areas. Right. The, the other thing that might be interesting to remind Mr. Kaepernick of is that if you look at in these urban areas, the majority of victims of these homicides are going to be persons of color. It's not not exclusive, but it's going to be persons of, of color who are not victims of police shootings, but are victims of criminal behavior. And a lot of times, the criminals are people of color as well. So my question to Colin Kaepernick would be, all right, where is the outrage over this? And I understand that you you know, are upset that you have a police shooting and you have a person of color whose life was lost. Okay, where are you, though, looking at the 160 or however many homicides we've had in the city of Milwaukee so far, 130, whatever that is, the vast majority of which, again, are going to involve people of color, committed by people of color, and you want to tell me that you really want to abolish the police? That That's, that's your answer? abolish the police so let's just turn the community over to what self-policing let's just i don't know allow people to engage in any sort of criminal behavior they want abolish the police i mean really that that's that's what this has come to and let's understand when colin kaepernick talks about abolishing the police he means abolish the police Get rid of the white supremacist institution of policing that stole Breonna Taylor's life. Well, the message to Mr. Kaepernick might be, you know, it's that white supremacist, quote unquote, institution that has officers of all different colors on the streets on a daily basis trying trying to maintain some sense of order from the criminal element that is challenging it. Abolish the police. Oh, my goodness. All right. Let us talk about the Brianna Taylor case. Here's here here is the deal. I understand why some people might be frustrated with the grand jury decision. In my opinion, though, the grand jury made the correct determination based on what the law is and what the facts are. Let's review the bidding and then we will discuss. Here here is the deal. The Louisville Police Department was investigating a a drug ring, and they were targeting one guy in particular. The guy that they were targeting was an acquaintance of Brianna Taylor. They, They had evidence, at least this is according to what's in the search warrant. Now, I mean, I understand there's some allegations that maybe some of the stuff in the search warrant wasn't accurate, but the cops that arrived on the scene didn't know that that night. In the search warrant, it alleged that the, the drug dealer, the person that they were, that they were targeting, had been seen in and out of Ms. Taylor's apartment. It also alleged that at one point in time, apparently the drug dealer was having packages sent to Taylor's apartment. So it wasn't only Taylor's apartment they were looking at, but they were doing search warrants at five or six locations that were associated with this drug dealer. So they get they get a search warrant for the apartment. Some people said, well, we've heard they were at the wrong apartment. No, they, they were they were at the apartment 
that the judge found probable cause to believe that there there might be might have been involved in the criminal activity. Now, as it turns out, there wasn't anything in the apartment, but that doesn't change the fact that the police officers who arrived that night. They've got a valid search warrant. So what happens is they they show up on the door. There's some question as to whether or not they announce themselves. But I I think that the general consensus is, yeah, they said police. And boom, then they knock down the door. This is like at 1230 at night. Ms. Taylor and her boyfriend are watching television in bed. They hear this noise outside the door. The boyfriend grabs his gun. And then starts shooting at starts shooting at the the door. The people that are coming through. The boyfriend's story is: I didn't know it was the cops. I, I think somebody's breaking in, and so I'm I'm shooting at them. So he starts to fire on the police, and he does fire on the police. Matter of fact, he hits one of the police officers. Three police officers then return fire. And unfortunately, Ms. Taylor is hit and killed. The guy with the gun, he's not hit at all. So that that's the background on this. The grand jury looks at the case, presents, here's the witnesses and all, and what they conclude is that there's not a basis to bring criminal charges against the three officers for the shooting death of Ms. Taylor because they're being fired on by the boyfriend. They simply return fire. All right. It's not a situation where they're breaking in and they're shooting first. He fired first. He fired at the officers. They returned fire. One of the three officers who's been fired and now has been charged, he's he's been charged not with shooting and killing Miss Taylor. He's been charged with discharging the gun in a reckless fashion because he, he wasn't he didn't have a target that he was shooting at and bullets are flying all over including going through the, the wall so they say look this is he fired the gun in, in reckless disregard but as far as in order to have like a murder charge or a manslaughter charge what you're going to have to find is it wasn't an element of self-defense and because the boyfriend fires first and the cops then return fire they say, look, this this is self-defense. Now, if it makes people feel happier, I guess they could have gone ahead, pushed the grand jury to indict one or more of the police officers. But I, the, the way I look at it, I, I think the outcome would have, in its essence, be the same. Because if you're going to bring charges, you have to be able to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that somebody has committed this crime. And I will just tell you, it's a very, very, it's difficult for me to understand how you're going to be able to prove that beyond a reasonable doubt when you have three cops that are executing a search warrant. And again, there, there might be issues, you know, with, with whoever got the warrant or whatever. But as far as the officers that are on that scene, they're going through the door and you have somebody who starts shooting at them. And they then return fire. It's going to be, I think, difficult and probably impossible to convince a jury of 12 beyond a reasonable doubt that this wasn't an exercise in self-defense, that officers who are fired on while executing a search warrant don't have the ability to return fire. And, and that's, that, that is my analysis. Was she a drug dealer? No. Is this an extremely unfortunate situation? Absolutely. Absolutely. Is it, you know, do, is it fair to go back and, and reassess the process? What information did they have to get the search warrant in the first place? That's absolutely fair. I, all that type of stuff. But as far as 
Cops are going through the door with a lawfully issued search warrant. Somebody starts shooting at them. They return fire in the direction of the person who's shooting at them. Turns out there's, in this case, an innocent bystander next to him. It is an unfortunate result. It might be all sorts of civil liability. And as a matter of fact, they, they've settled a huge civil uh, a civil case. But as far as criminal behavior on the part of these three officers, beyond the one guy who w- was shooting without a target in mind, good luck. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I mean, let, let's discuss. It's a bad result. I understand why some people are unhappy But in this particular case, I think it's the only result that the grand jury could have come down with. And I think, candidly, the the attorney general is probably stretching a little to even bring the the, the shooting charges that they brought against the one officer. And I understand that some people are upset by that, but I think the grand jury got it right. 855-616-1620, we discuss. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Heavy side. Jeff, do some research. They had the drug dealer ex boyfriend in custody already. The police wanted him to say she was involved. She wouldn't say that because she had nothing to do with it. Well, no, 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 no. They they had five search warrants. They were executing the search warrants contemporaneously, and and it wasn't that they thought that the drug dealer was at that place. They're they're looking for evidence of the conspiracy to distribute drugs. It is true that apparently a few minutes before they executed the search warrants at the Brianna Taylor place, they had arrested the drug dealer at, at another place. But they're hitting all these houses that they think are associated with him and might be drug houses. The fact that he might have been in custody a couple minutes beforehand has nothing to do with whether or not the warrant is in fact valid. They weren't looking to arrest him. They were we're looking to search places to try to obtain evidence. And as far as the police wanted him to say she was involved, I wouldn't say that because she had nothing to do with it. He was in custody a couple minutes before they went through the door. And as somebody who did multiple, I mean, as somebody who busted big drug rings, that's it. You, you go out, hey, we're going to bust this drug ring. We've got search warrants for nine, ten places, whatever. We're going to execute them all at approximately the same time um, because, you know, we, we don't want word to get out that, hey, we, we hit this one place and now we're hitting others. They're looking for evidence of drug dealing. 855-616-1620. Let's talk to Jeff in McGuanago. You're on, on Mesquico. You're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. How are you? Good. What do you think? Hey, I, I agree with the grand jury that you um, there should be no criminal charges against the officers involved here. But my problem is the intel is completely wrong was completely wrong on this and somebody at the end of the day has to be held accountable for that you know there's zero room for error in these in these uh execution of these of these warrants and somebody somebody messed up and somebody died because of it let me ask you this do you attach any blame to the boyfriend who started this all by firing at, at the police well, some and I, uh, yes and no. And, and he, here's the thing: I, I'm not convinced that he knew it was the police. I'm not I'm sure not that I don't believe that. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I, I don't. I, I don't know one way or another. I wasn't there. But well, I will say, and I think you know this, is you know saying that the police announced themselves in reality, uh, the timing of when they announced themselves when they're executing these warrants. Mm-hmm. 
uh, isn't isn't when they're knocking on the door. It, it's usually as they kick the door down. Yeah, bam, bam, bam. Police with a warrant entry. open up. Bam, bam, bam. Right. So, exactly. I, I, you know, I, I I tend to believe that this guy didn't know it was the police. Does he have some responsibility? Yes, because he shot into a door not knowing who was behind it. Um, but again, you know, uh, the intel is wrong, and we can't. You know, we have to be better at that. We, well, when you we, say we when you say the in, I'm curious when you say the intel was wrong. What do you mean? Because and, and the reason I ask that is that because looking for. well, I mean, I, I say that because as somebody who drafted lots of search warrants, and you, you always want to go in and you want to find a big amount of drugs or evidence of drug trafficking or et cetera, et cetera. But sometimes you have probable cause to believe that there, there might be that there, and it turns out that it that it's not. That you know the the information and the inferences you draw they turn out to be wrong, or the stuff is moved or or whatever. I mean, um, when, when you. Well, I, I think part of the intel, Jeff, is they also need to know they have to be absolutely clear who's there yeah. at the time that they're executing that warrant. I think that's my point more okay. than anything. All right, fair they enough. Need, they, they need to be a hundred percent certain of that. Fair enough. No, th- thanks for call. We, what are what are we what are we getting into now? The flip side of this is that when you're when you're a police officer, and again, the, the, as a general rule, the the guys that are going through the door. They're not the guys that have prepared the search warrant or anything like that. They're the guys that are going through the door. What happens is the lawyer gets together with the investigating officer and, you know, you prepare a bunch of search warrants. You go in front of a magistrate or a judge or or whatever. The judge issues the search warrants. And then what happens is you get the SWAT teams together in a big meeting room and you say, okay, we're hitting five places simultaneously. These are the warrants. This is who's there at this. This is who's there at the other. So the the guys that are going through the the doors, typically, they're they're just, okay, this is our assignment. We're going to, you know, House 123 on on A Street, and, you know, this is, you know, who we're we're looking for, or this is what we're looking for. Boom, down goes the door. But, I mean, I I appreciate you'd like the police to be right all the time, and clearly in this case, um, there there weren't drugs there. At least there weren't drugs there at the moment. Terry on the south side. Hi, Terry. Good afternoon. Hey, good uh, afternoon, Jeff. I'm, I got two points, and I'm going to make them quick. I know I don't have a lot of time. No, you, now, so you got as much time as you want. Go ahead, Terry. Now, the way my apartment, condo, home is set up, now, if I'm upstairs, if it's late or whether I'm up or sleeping, I usually have the door closed, yep. you know, and if someone yells and says police, I may not hear that yep. because of the distance and the doors being closed. Now I'll hear someone kicking my door in. Yep. Now, um, for for um, just to put that out there, my fiance is in law enforcement. She's not a cop, but she works in a law enforcement situation. Okay, and we do have guns in the home, so I know that both of our we both have uh, kids too, and I, I know that our response will be to grab our weapons and see what's going on. Now, if I see a shadow and I see some type of weapon, I know that I may have to shoot. I, I'm not going to wait. You know, I don't, it, it's a difficult thing. Yep. And then no. also, as a concealed carrier, I know that if someone starts shooting at me, I have a right to defend myself. But if in the midst of a shootout, if I shoot a, a third party, I'm going to be held accountable for every round that comes out of my gun. And there may be some type of criminal liability. And also, if I'm not involved in any type of illegal activity, like a drug dealer may be, there's an expectation that the door might get kicked in. So they may be waiting for that. They may expect that it might be a home invasion from other drug dealers or robbers, 
door, the police might show up with a search warrant. So they may, if the door gets kicked in, they may be like, oh, this might be the police. But if I'm a law-abiding citizen in my home, which it seems like these two were, no one, they're not expecting anyone to be kicking in their door. So nope. in their mind, this may be a robber. Well, no, and I absolutely... That, and that's I'm sure. I mean, thank no. I think Terry, I get it. I mean, thank that. That's obviously will we'll give the the boyfriend the, every benefit of the doubt and say, yeah, that that's what he thought. Now, I guess you can you can make this argument. Should he have? Should he have waited? If if he waits three or four or five seconds before pulling the trigger, you know, you you see that there's all the guys with the police stuff on. But but I mean, I'm not going to fault the boyfriend here. This is an unfortunate set of circumstances in in my mind. It, look, it, it's an unfortunate thing that this happened, but but that's a that's not the same as saying you know one of those three cops is responsible for murder or manslaughter, and that you can prove it under those circumstances beyond a reasonable doubt. Am I saying they did everything right in Louisville? Of course not. You, you have an innocent woman who's dead. Of, of course not. It, they didn't do everything. They didn't do anything right. But this was an unfortunate set of circumstances. And my only point is, for people who are upset with this, I, I understand all that, but. From the perspective of the prosecutor bringing charges, you've got to assess whether or not you could convict anybody in connection with this beyond a reasonable doubt. And my only point is when police are fired on and they return fire to try to prove that a police officer is guilty of something beyond a reasonable doubt is a very, very tough, tough burden. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Let me uh, just answer. We are, the text line is, of course, exploded by pe- with people wanting to comments or questions about the Breonna Taylor. So let me just, just share a couple with them of these things here with you. Um, Jeff, interesting. Would this be the best opportunity or the worst time for Wauwatosa to give a not guilty verdict on the police officer, Joseph Mensa? That is a, a fascinating question. Eric Bilstead, who hasn't quite left yet. I mean, we, uh, you know, that... The, the Joseph Mensa, of course, is the Wauwatosa police officer who was involved in the shooting of a 17-year-old mm. boy outside of Mayfair Mall in February, February. And that matter has been under investigation by the State Department of Justice and the Milwaukee DA's office for, for since February. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where the, the police version is very simple and straightforward. The kid was running away, had a had a stolen handgun and fired on him. The the family members say there wasn't a gun, there wasn't a shooting. But I mean, one way or the other, it, it's it's been around since February. And of course, you have some people who've been you know engaging in various protests that culminated in the shotgun blast going through the girlfriend Officer Mensa's girlfriend's house yep. a few weeks yep. ago. You've had the demonstrations at Mayfair. And it it is, I will confess, and I know you're getting all sorts of questions about, hey, this has been going on since February. Yeah, when, Where when, are the charges? Yeah. Yeah. When, if anything, is going to happen with that case? You, know, you could ask a similar situation with what's going on in Kenosha, too. So it's, And then, you know, that's when the cynic 
starts to come out and you start to question, okay, well, are they waiting for a reason? You know what I mean? There's always all these different things that people start to wonder right, and then the rumors invest- start to circulate. Right, is the investigation done? Are they, are authorities saying, okay, well, we, we saw what happened in Kenosha after that shooting, so let's... Let's wait another month or two until it gets down colder bit, yeah. or whatever. I mean, is that a is is that a factor? And we don't know the answer to right. that, but is that is that kind of playing in? Um, I, I I do know that you know authorities are are what happened in Kenosha, the the riots immediately following the the shooting. I, I do know that authorities all across the state are, are trying to look at that and, and use that as a teachable moment to figure out the next time there is something like that, whether it's the announcement mm-hmm. of charges in mm-hmm. Kenosha or the announcement of charges in, in Wauwatosa or lack of charges, what what can we do to do better? Now, I know the governor came out and said, I wouldn't do anything different. Well, I don't think anybody else thinks that that's the case. So you have that going on. But yeah, it's that's been hanging fire since February, mm-hmm. and we're already now at the end of September. Yeah, so almost a year here in a couple of a couple of more months. So we'll see when that one comes out or if Kenosha happens anytime soon and I know there are others too across the country too. So it's right. more than just one state looking into this. Right. Okay, a couple other questions before we move on. Jeff, I have a question for you with your legal background. What would you surmise is a reason why authorities in Kentucky went with the charges they did and not something else as an example, reckless homicide with use of a dangerous weapon or something on those lines. And, and the best way I could answer Answer that is because I think they went with the most significant charge that they come up with that they thought that they could prove beyond a reasonable doubt. And again, I, I go back to this situation. You have police officers executing a warrant. Somebody shoots at them. They return fire. It's going to be difficult if not impossible, to convince 12 people beyond a reasonable doubt that this was not an exercise of self-defense. Officers are entitled to fire back. Now, the one officer who was firing without seeing the target, you know, who was uh, shooting through the door or whatever, I think you, you can you can bring charges against him about reckless use of a weapon, but when you start to carry that one step further, you I, I just they just felt that they could not prove it, you know, right or wrong. Jeff, as a retired police chief and former SWAT member, I have to tell you that I don't believe the charges that were brought against the one officer will even be sustained. It comes down to what a reasonable officer would do under the circumstances. If you feel your life is in danger and bullets are coming from a particular direction, you're going to fire back. As you indicated, it's unfortunate the outcome of an in- is an in- innocent individual dying, but when you associate with a known drug dealer that frequents your residence, there's a potential for negative outcomes. Um, Based on what I've heard, I believe the subject who fired at the police should be charged. Not charging him sends a message that they don't have to surrender when the police announce and make an entry. Now, of course, that assumes that the the police announce, but the Kentucky Attorney General concluded that they um, that they ended up doing this and and that they did. Um, Jeff, retired police officer, I agree with your assessment on the Taylor grand jury finding. It's very frustrating that people rush to judgment against the officers instead of holding the boyfriend who fired at officers accountable. Well, again, the, the, the... Holding the boyfriend is accountable, accountable is, is a 
is a difficult thing, too. This is the guy that, that fired the police initially because the number of people were saying in that last segment, hey, it's, it's 1230 at night. You're in your bedroom with your wife or your girlfriend, and all of a sudden, boom, the door goes down. And, you know, you're afraid that this is an invasion by drug dealers or criminal elements or whatever. You grab your gun and you start firing. This was just an unfortunate set of circumstances that resulted in a tragic outcome. And the thing I always try to explain to people, and you have to keep in mind, is criminal charges are much different than a civil case. The the burden of proof is a lot less in a civil case. And as a matter of fact, uh, the the state or the city settled with the estate of Breonna Taylor. I think they paid $12 million or something like that. So there, there was a recognition that what happened here was wrong. But as far as taking it that next step and saying, okay, we're going to try to put somebody in jail before or prison for this, that's a much tougher, it's a much tougher pull. And it's an unfortunate situation. I I think they, I think they did the best they could as far as coming up with charges that they thought they could prove. All right. When we come back, how far do we let the protesters go? And I asked that question figuratively and literally. I will explain and we will discuss. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay, how far do we allow the protests to go? So yesterday, after the Breonna Taylor decision came out, there were protests uh, across the country. In Milwaukee, what happened is you had a... Not an enormously large group of people, but you had a group of people, and many of these are are the usual suspects. I mean, it's it's people that have been showing up and protesting on a on a on a regular sort of basis. Um, loosely, they call themselves the the People's Revolution. And what happened is a number of people assembled outside the Milwaukee County Courthouse yesterday. At one point, according to TV reports, people in the group took it upon themselves to take down the flags, the American flag outside the courthouse. They set one of the American flags on fire. The group then raised Black Lives Matter flags and American flags with the letters BLM spray-painted on the front of them. And, And they weren't stopped from doing that. At that point in time, after rallying outside the courthouse, the group of people marched onto the streets. And so they started marching down the street. And then what happened is they decided to march onto the freeway, I-94. And they got on I-94, and they were apparently blocking traffic um, on I-94 at, at 25th Street in Milwaukee. So you had traffic that was blocked. The group that was on was on the interstate for at least 30 minutes before they were confronted by sheriff's deputies in, in riot gear. Now, the, the way that this group organizes the, these protests, the way it's described, is that you have a, a handful of lead cars start driving slowly down down the street, both lanes of the street blocking it. Then you've got marchers. People are on foot behind the cars. So traffic ends up getting shut down. Then you have people, the the marchers, the people at the front of the group, they've got bullhorns. They are allowing that nobody is allowed to pass them. Then you've got lines of cars that follow the people that are walking, um, honking horns and playing music. So the idea is let's let's create a disruption and let's block traffic and let's block the intersections. And as a general rule, the the police pretty much let, let the protesters do that. But 
when they get on the freeway, it becomes a different situation. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I understand that there is a delicate balance that, that goes on between allowing people to express their legitimate First Amendment rights and their dissatisfaction with something going on in the country or the state or, or whatever. And, and so even though under normal circumstances to walk down the streets, you would need to have a parade permit, you know, you would you would need to be authorized to do that. You can't just suddenly decide, hey, I'm going to walk down Wisconsin Avenue and tie up traffic for, for how long. You wouldn't be allowed to do that. I understand that we're we're giving protesters a degree of, of rope. You know, we, we don't want to aggravate the situation. You don't want to come in, make arrests, and then as long as the thing is not engaged, as long as we're not talking about people throwing Molotov cocktails or bricks at the police, you, you want to not do stuff that's going to make the situation worse. I appreciate that, and I appreciate a degree of, of restraint. And as long as you're talking about people who are blocking, you know, walking down one street, you, you can always divert traffic or around that. There's ways to do that. I think getting on the freeway is a completely and totally different situation because once you start blocking stuff on the freeway, people really, I mean, unless you're going to close down the freeway and make people get on and off, that's a much bigger deal. It's It's also much more dangerous when you have people that are getting on the freeway. To me, that's where I draw the line. You, you want to engage in peaceful protest and, and walk down the street. O- okay, not thrilled about it, but fine. Once you start getting on the freeway, that's the point in time where I think you need the police to come out and you need to start making arrests. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Should we allow the protesters to get out on the freeways, on the interstates, stopping and or blocking traffic? 855-616-1620. My answer is no, no, no. We discuss. This is Jeff Wagner on WGMJ. 855-616-1620. Jeff, as far as protesters on the freeway, absolutely not. Arrest them all by any means necessary protest peacefully within the laws um but off the interstate or not at all people don't know the difference did you see the video out of florida yesterday where people were um, harassed when they were eating outside protesters took over their tables no i didn't see it but i've seen similar things like that jeff would you consider stopping any traffic whether local streets or interstate peaceful protests they're not permanently blocking traffic other than the flag yesterday they did no damage no i draw a line i mean it's one thing if you're walking down the street once you get on an interstate it is a completely and completely in my opinion and totally different situation and yeah you get on an interstate you deserve to be arrested it creates a huge safety hazard there's no way you can legitimately and safely protest when you're on the interstate. When people get on it, they should be arrested right away. Um, let's see. Jeff, seriously, all we keep hearing is we need to change. How about, well, protesters need to change. When you get on the interstate, you should be 
arrested. Jeff, what happens when a protest blocks an interstate and a person dies because an ambulance can't get through? Well, you do have those issues. Jack, heck, heck no. Arrest them. How can individuals always get away and do that? Jeff, these protests should be considered unlawful. Create protester zones like Miller Park and Fiserv Forum, Bucks would love that, and stop duress and inconvenience on innocent bystanders. Arrest people who are breaking the law. Um, Jeff, definitely not. People don't belong on the freeway. Um, also, legal cases shouldn't be decided by mob protests. Well, that's it. Um, Jeff, when were the police, where were the police when the group vandalized the area by the courthouse? If a person came along one day and took down the flag and burned it, that person would be arrested. Well, there is something to that. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Jeff, these protesters who walk on the freeway will eventually get hurt or run over, cause people to be scared what they are doing. A lot of us are just not comfortable driving in Milwaukee County nowadays due to these folks who protest and cause chaos. Yeah, uh, and, and that's where about 90% of the texts are. A couple of people are saying, oh, this, this, is, this is just wonderful. We, This is what we're trying to do. We're trying to call attention to this, so we want to try and cause chaos whenever we can. Well, okay, what wonderful. Then you should be prepared for the consequences. And as far as I'm concerned, when you walk onto the freeway, all right, at that point in time, you deserve to be arrested, and that's your consequence. Let us completely and totally switch gears. Over the last, I want to say week or two, I have been getting more and more texts and emails from people who are dissatisfied with the choices that are presented to them at the ballot box. Um, people who don't like Donald Trump for whatever reason, people who don't like Joe Biden for whatever reason and are unsatisfied. And so as a result, I'm hearing from more and more people who say, I, I, I can't can't vote for Biden because I think he's too old and I think he's too liberal. And people saying, I can't vote for Trump because, well, he, he's Donald Trump and I don't think he has the moral character to be president and all those different types of things. And so I'm going to wait for it. I'm going to vote for somebody else. Now, you have the right in America. You can vote for anybody you want. You can walk into that polling booth or get your absentee ballot and fill out that form, and you can vote for anybody. If you decide you don't want to vote for Trump or you don't want to vote for Biden, you can write in the name of, I, I don't know, your favorite radio talk show host if, if you want. But the truth of the matter is your favorite radio talk show host isn't going to be the next president of the United States. Not going to win. Right. The next president of the United States, whether you like the choice or not, is going to be either Joe Biden or it's going to be Donald Trump. That that's that is just the reality. Will third party and write in candidates get a few votes? Yes. Is anybody going to win a state this year? No. Might enough if enough votes go to the Green Party candidate or to Kanye West, might it potentially swing a state i you know i i don't think so but but regardless the truth of the matter is if you decide that you're in my opinion if you decide that you're not voting for trump or you're not voting for biden and you decide to vote for someone other than those two you are absolutely totally wasting your vote 
And the, the point would be, why bother? Now, I, I understand that there's some people who say, well, I just can't in good conscience support either one of them, so this is my principled way of, of objecting. Okay, that, that's fine. It's your principal way of objecting, but you are throwing your vote away. You, you might as well not vote because by you standing on principle, you are essentially taking yourself out of the game. All right, our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Believe me, I understand the disfa- dissatisfaction that people can legitimately have with both the Republican and the Democrat candidates for president this year. I, I understand that. But to not, this year in particular, to not sit down and say, look, at the end of the day, I'm going to decide and I'm going to recognize that the next president is either going to be Donald Trump or Joe Biden. To me, if you just decide on principle, I'm going to vote for somebody else. All you're saying is my vote doesn't matter. I don't want to be part of the process because, candidly, the only message, at least in my opinion, that you send if you decide to vote for someone other than Biden or Trump this year, the only message you send is that I don't care if my vote doesn't matter because I'm here to tell you nobody is paying attention to that. The only thing people are going to be looking at is how many votes did Joe Biden get? How many votes did Donald Trump get? And if you think that, gee, somebody's going to notice because I wrote in the name of who Whoever, I'm sorry, you're just, you're deluding yourself. 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Are you considering voting for someone other than the first two candidates and the people who are? Do you understand that? Does that make any sense at all? To me, the reality is it doesn't. We discuss in just a moment. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Look, you, you can vote for whoever you choose. I, I I understand all that, but my my point is, you have in two thousand twenty, the reality is, no third party candidate is going to win the election. And by the way, no third party candidate is going to get enough votes that they're really going to sway it one way or the other. So, as a practical matter, living in the real world, your choice is Joe Biden or Donald Trump. Maybe you're dissatisfied with those two two options. Maybe it's one where you're going to have to hold your nose and vote for whoever you are. But my point is voting for somebody other than one of the top two candidates, which is your right. It's just it's an exercise in futility. You are wasting your vote. You are essentially saying, I'm 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 not going to participate. You might as well not cast a vote as opposed to going in and casting a vote for Whoever, 855-616-1620, Armando in Green Bay, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. How are you doing? I'm well, thanks. What do you think? Um, You know, I don't really agree with you a lot, but I agree with you 100% on this. Um, to me, that's a lazy voter. It's, a, it's someone who doesn't want to look at the reality of what we're going through. You know, look, look at, look at, the choices look at what you're going to do or what you think they'll do you know and i think it is throwing away your vote and mm-hmm. i i just think they're not i think they're lazy voters i mean if you're going to sit there on principle well yeah but we don't live in principle we live in reality well that and that has consequences 
Well, that I mean, thanks. See that that that's right. I mean, it's I'm not saying it's a lazy voter. I mean, you 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 can spend all sorts of do, time doing research and say I I think this person would be the perfect person to be president, and, and so and may, maybe you are. But but my point is, living in the real world, if you if you cast a vote for you know fill in the blank somebody other than Biden or Trump you're you're rending your you are rendering your vote meaningless and you can walk out and you can say well I think I did the principal thing but all right but it but it's a it's a meaningless thing it's an exercise in futility it's oh the hurricane is coming I'm going to go out on my deck and I'm going to spit into the hurricane oh well the hurricane came anyways I, I just if it makes you feel better but I'm just simply saying by doing that by standing on that that principle you you're taking yourself out of the game and in this particular situation for this election i I think you know it's best to perhaps make a choice one way or the other 855-616-1620 let's talk to uh let's see dan in new berlin dan you're on wtmj uh hi how are you today good what do you think well first of all i think you can go with the uh one quote that made sense from jerry garcia Choosing the better of two evils is still choosing an evil. Okay. Okay. And, and you you have a right to vote. We're in America. We you sure. have a right to vote for whoever you please. Okay. So, and you are getting your opinion out there and and letting people know how you feel about. Well, wait. No, no, let me let me stop you. Let me stop you on that, Dan. So you let's say you go in and you decide that you're going to vote for for Scott Walker, oh, just for the sake of argument. You, so you, you write Scott Walker on the ballot, and maybe maybe somewhere a month or two later, when they list the complete list of everybody that got votes for somebody who's looking at that, they say, "Oh, Scott Walker got twenty votes." All right, what 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 message does that send? What what opinion are you getting out there to the general public? Well, I was thinking more along of uh, during the last election. I didn't like the two choices, and my friend yep. said, "Well, you know, you might as well vote for Mickey Mouse." Okay, well, and I thought about it. And I thought that that might get my opinion out, but I'm not a big Disney fan, so I <laughs> voted for Charlie Brown. Got it. Well, thank. Okay, and, and okay, so you you voted all right, and and look, you get to vote for whoever you want. I I accept that, but you voted for Charlie Brown. What what, what has changed? Charlie Brown didn't get elected. Donald Trump got elected, and Donald Trump's been making policy. You wasted your your vote. You didn't accomplish anything, and until you know, you just said that you voted for Charlie Brown. My guess is nobody in the world, other than maybe your maybe people close to you, if you told them they voted for Charlie Brown, nobody knew that. You didn't affect any sort of change. So, and I appreciate anybody that quotes Jerry Garcia back to me. I always get some points on this, but but it's the reality of the choices. Now we've had some elections. Where, you know, maybe there have been meaningful third party candidates that, and I mean, I candidly, I mean, I believe Ross Perot back um, in 1992 was able to siphon off enough votes from George Bush to get Bill Clinton elected. I, I'm, you know, there's some people who think that uh, when Ralph Nader ran in 2000, he siphoned enough votes away from Al Gore to get George Bush elected. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But in this particular race, the, the truth is the choices are Biden or Trump. I understand the frustration that people have with Biden or Trump, but but if you go in and you vote for Charlie Brown, 
why even bother? I mean, I guess maybe it makes you feel good, but when you look at those results, you know, when we're watching all the results that are going to be coming in on election night and the night after and the night after and the night after and the night after and the night after, you know, you're, I trust me, you're not going to see any significant votes for, for Charlie Brown. Mark, who is calling us from Florida. Hi, Mark. Hey, Jeff. Um, yeah, I basically agree with, and I like the Grateful Dead, even though they never had a one, one number one hit. And Jerry Garcia, kind of an informal hero of mine. Uh, Jerry Garcia may have abused too many drugs. That being aside, um, we've had two major political parties in this country for 200-plus years, around 200 years, at least since the Civil War. A protest vote is protesting nothing, okay? There are hundreds of millions of ballots cast. If Mickey Mouse gets 100 or 150, now if you want to go out and try and start a third party like kind of Ross Perot did, but we see no effort at that. And your vote is a wasted vote. If you have to hold your nose like one of your earlier callers said and vote for the lesser of two evils, well, the lesser of two evils probably isn't going to give you at least some of what you want and may have delivered some of what you wanted in the past. But you voting for Mickey Mouse, you might as well save your time, your posted stamp for a mail-in or driving your car down to the polling place because you're not helping anybody and you might be defeating indirectly somebody who will at least do more good for you than the only other candidate on the ballot and there's only going to be two that make any difference yeah that's the cold, hard reality. It is. Thanks. And you and I, we, we live in, in the reality. Here's a text, Jeff. I know you're not going to read this, but what does it matter if someone doesn't vote for either party or decides to vote for a third party instead? Well, what does it matter? I don't know how to answer that ex- except to say that if, if you decide to vote for somebody other than Biden or Trump this year, you you are, and I go back to this, you are wasting your vote. You're, you're standing you're, you're standing on principle. Okay, okay that, that's great. And, you know, you can... You, you can, if it makes you feel good about yourself, you can say, I didn't vote for either one of those. I voted for somebody who's going to, I don't know, maybe get 30 or 40 votes out of millions and millions cast. So if you want to take yourself out of the game, that, that's fine. You I mean, you, you get to do it, but I guess I, I look back and I think, okay, these are, this is an important election. And I think people ultimately, if you want to participate in the system, and you don't want other people to be able to make that decision for you, then what you need to do is you make, you have to make the choice. Um, Jeff, voting for somebody other than Trump or Biden would be like buying a lottery ticket, um, that's from last year, from last week's pick. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, you know, Th- that's truth. Jeff, I completely agree with you. Please talk to my, my, my colleague here, Steve Scafidi. Steve has already said that he's, he's going to vote for Nikki Haley. I think he's going to, and I, th- that's fine. Steve gets to vote for Nikki Haley. Not picking on Steve, but my point is that there's no principle to be accomplished. If it makes you feel good about yourself, go do it. I want to be in the game. I mean, I, I want to have my vote matter. And I guess I'm not at a point now where I think that's going to happen. Now, if, if you were trying to build a third party, and, and let's, let's go back to that, that first Ross Perot uh, election where you were trying to build, it, maybe, maybe we're figuring out a way we, we found this wealthy candidate 
who's kind of tapped into something and we're trying to build a party to present an alternative to the Republicans and Democrats. And that's what I, I'm voting for because I, I think this is a candidate who's going to be able to really do great things. Oh, OK, well, well, maybe maybe in a situation like that, I could understand that. But that's not the case this year. That, that's just not the reality. And, yeah, I understand there's some people who are going to go in and maybe they'll vote for a Green Party candidate in some states that are there. But th- that person's. You're, you're not going to move the needle when you end up making this decision, I, I guess. And that's, that's what, what the issue is. So, you know, you, you do that, fine. Just recognize that you, you've taken yourself out of, out of play. And if it makes you feel better, well, then that, that's cool. I'm okay with it. Andy in Muskego. Andy, you're on W. I'm sorry, Andy, your cell phone's kind of, uh, Getting a lot of noise there. Bottom line is you have to decide for yourself what you're going to, you know, what you're going to do and what you're comfortable with doing. And I'm I'm not telling you how to vote, but the reality is, all right, if you want to throw away your vote, throw away your vote. Jeff, I agree with you 100%. Why voting? bother voting at all if you're not going to vote for one of the candidates who has a realistic chance to win? Jeff, if you don't vote, you can't complain. If you do vote, you have the right to complain. Well, I don't know. I mean, I would say if you vote for a candidate that has no chance of winning, I don't know. I'm not sure you get to complain too much about that. Jeff, voting for two choices is not a free election. Don't know how to answer that. I mean, I, again, I just I live in this real world here. You can vote for whoever you want. But if you decide to vote for somebody other than Trump or Biden, you render your ballot in a practical, real world sense. You render it completely and totally ineffectual and useless because neither one, no candidate other than Trump or Biden has any chance at all of winning the election. So if it makes you feel good, go ahead and do it. If it's like, I'm going to vote for Charlie Brown. Because I want to stand up and send some sort of message, go with God. That, that's okay. But just recognize that you've, you've made yourself a non-player. Back with more in just a couple minutes. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you with us. The Brew, the Brewers. Now we said at the beginning of this week, I thought five and three would get them into the playoffs. Maybe four and four, but five and three, I think, is what they they needed to do. That would put them over five hundred. Uh, they they're not close to that. They they lose two out of three in Cincinnati. So now it's the deal. They got five games coming up against the Cardinals. What do you think? I think they got to win four out of five. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's the number. I I, I wish it was two or three because i think that's a lot more easier for us to achieve in this uh five game se- or series here but four is probably what's necessary and it's going to be a challenge and you think their chances of winning four out of five against the cardinals probably slim to none and slim is on a bus heading out of town yeah i'm about a three or a four out of ten yeah it, i i it, you know maybe they could squeeze in if they go three and two maybe because that would put them at 500 so maybe there's a there's a chance on that but well the bottom line is look and we're both we're both baseball fans but they are what they are and they're a very mediocre team this year they, they haven't i don't know that there's any point in the year that they've been over 500 they're uh they are a mediocre team they are a 500 or below team 
Yeah, I mean, it hasn't been great record-wise, but I think we have some good things to look forward to next year uh, with, our, with our pitching and, and, and things like okay. that. But, All right, you're the optimist. Uh, I, one thing that I, I hope that they do in this series, though, uh, is put Ryan Braun in, because uh, this might be his final series with, with the team, uh, and he was doing pretty well against... Uh, yeah, the past few games. Well, uh, there's sure no reason season. to. There's sure no reason to hold anybody back. I mean, that that's it. You're not you're not saving anybody for like the 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 October games. You, I think you got to win four out of five, yeah. maybe three out of two, but but you got to win, you got to win at least three, probably four. Time to anybody that can play. To me, it's kind of all hands on on deck, and then kind of hope to see where that all comes in. I, I do agree. And if and if Ryan Braun can help you, you 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 trot him out there. This this is a playoff series for us. Uh, think of it like that. Oh yeah, and and so. you got and as we both agree, you to get into the playoffs, you probably got to win a four out of five. So right. I mean, it's and they've dug. I mean, it's it's the hole they've they've dug themselves in. Um, I leave the sports stuff to the guys on uh, down the hall on ESPN, but you know. I still, I'm still, I still don't think Yelich is right. I, I just, I, you know, that was a catastrophic injury that he had last year, uh, about 13 months ago. You know, you break your kneecap, and I, I just, I think it just takes long. I mean, I, I'm actually hoping he, he's still not quite recovered from that because otherwise, you look at the way he's played this year, and he's kind of like completely lost it. I, I think he's. They, they won't say that, but I think he's still struggling a little bit to come back from that injury. I think there's other factors, too. I mean, like not having any fans, the the, the situation playing in what they're playing in, it being what it is. Uh, I think having Lorenzo Cain opt out for the season was something Didn't that, that help? Yep. yeah, that was significant early on. Um, and then just ultimately a bunch of other roster adjustment changes. Um, we have a lot of one-year players, brand new brand new faces. So it's well, some of those brand new faces didn't make it to the end of the year. It yeah, was not one quite. of David Stearns' finest years. I think that that would be yeah. fair to say that a lot of good, well-intentioned, go in, let's bring in these guys, and many of them did not perform yeah. up to expectations. So the, the kneecap has something to do with it, but that's not the be-all, end-all of it. Okay. Well, there you have it. There you have it. In any event, they probably need to win four out of five, and you can hear the games here on WTMJ. All right. If you have children in school in our listening area, there's all sorts of different situations that you find yourselves in. If you have kids in MPS, for example, it's all virtual learning. I was talking to an MPS teacher the other day, and I, I was asking him, how's the virtual learning working out? And he said, well, actually, the, the good thing is, he was a high school teacher, and he said, the good thing is uh, about 25% of the kids are really motivated. They're really into it, and it's great. The other 75% of the kids couldn't care less, and they're just really not being participatory. But he said, the good thing is, um, with with virtual learning, the 75% of the kids who just couldn't care less, at least they're not being disruptive in the classrooms, which I thought was an interesting way of looking at it. But at MPS, it's all virtual. You're doing it on computers. Um, at some schools, they are back full-time, five days a week. And at other schools, it's kind of a hybrid, maybe two days on, three days off, vice versa, all those different types of things. So we, we've now had what, about a month or so of the, the new school year. There was a story in the Chicago Tribune that got me thinking about this. The headline is, this is, quote-unquote, this is not good enough. Chicago-area parents rally to get kids back in school, and some districts are making it happen. 
And it quotes a number of parents who are saying, look, remote learning just isn't working. It's not good enough. It's like the kids are watching TV. I've heard of more and more students who are disengaging. Overwhelmingly, parents are saying this isn't good enough. We cannot continue to do it. Online learning is not working. Now, whenever we've talked about this, I I always hear from some people who say, doesn't matter what we we can't reopen the schools until essentially we, we've done away with COVID-19 until essentially it is eradicated. We, we can't reopen the schools, which I mean, to me, that that means that then I don't know that's probably years away. That's just the reality. I mean, even after you get a vaccine, kids are going to be younger. People are going to be at the back end of getting the vaccine. It's going to go to people who are most vulnerable first. So kids are going to be last. Then there's going to be a lot of kids who don't get it. The reality is, I think we're going to have to figure out a way to live with COVID-19 for the foreseeable future. But when it comes to schools, I understand that there are challenges, but the general consensus is that while it works for some kids, for the vast majority of kids, it is a poor substitute for in-person learning. And for a lot of kids, it is a complete disaster. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Does remote learning work, particularly for younger kids, middle school kids and high school kids. College is a bit of a different situation. But, all right, remote learning for people who've had to do it and are continuing to have to do it, does it, in fact, work? Matter of fact, I hear from a number of parents of special needs kids, and they tell me it's a complete and total disaster for the special needs kids. But even just for the average kids, even if you've got somebody who, I don't know, is is bright and is engaged, All right, can they stay engaged by virtual learning if they're in 7th or 8th grade? 855-616-1620. And if you have kids that are in this situation, I would be particularly interested in hearing your perspective. How is it working out? Because the tales I hear from the front are are not encouraging. 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Back in just a minute. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talks line. But this, I, I understand we, we talk about, on, on the one hand, we, we, we don't want to have the spread of COVID-19, and you have you know various people saying, oh, we, we can't have the kids back in the classrooms. The flip side of that, though, is... It is is remote learning, virtual learning, is it working? And a big story, again, in the Chicago Tribune, uh, all these parents are saying, look, we, we can't keep on like this. It, it is not working. You've got to get the kids back in the classrooms, and, and we've got to you know, take the risk that some of them might end up getting getting sick, but that's, the, that's worth it because trying to make them learn at home on the computers just isn't working. 855-616-1620. Todd in Greenfield. Todd, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. What do you think? So I've got a junior year girl in Greenfield High School, and I've got a uh, eighth grade boy. Um, my junior year girl is, is struggling with anxiety, and it's getting worse because of not being able to be with her friends. Um, she doesn't think yeah. she's learning as well. My eighth grade boy. <clears throat> is tired of it. He hates it. 
Um, I'm not saying he's not learning anything, right. but they even ask me, why can't we just wear masks and go to school? And right. I, I agree with them. Right. I mean, so I... No, to your point, right, to to your point about your daughter. Yeah, I mean, Mm -hmm. it it is, it's that, that sort of socialization. I mean, I, I know, I I have several children in my life and and they're really smart kids, but the the truth of the matter is, it's not, just the classroom learning it's the interaction with their friends it's getting out of of the house it is that socialization which is an important part of of school it's part of the overall process and even the most dedicated kid doesn't get that if if they don't have that option but i think the risks far outweigh the risks of not going back to school because of the statistics on the kids being affected by COVID dangerously, it, right. it doesn't really do anything to them. They get sick normally. Yeah. No, thanks for calling. Again, I, I mean, I, right, I, I, I just, you, you've got to, I, I think you have to do everything you possibly can to get the kids back into school. And and that's why, like yesterday, I admit I was extremely frustrated with the story out of Ozaki County that you had some idiot parent, and that's what they were, an idiot parent whose kid tests positive for coronavirus, for COVID-19, and they knowingly send the kid to school. Okay, well, that... That just makes it so much more difficult when you have people that do that. Or the parents that the child has 102 fever and is hacking up a lung, and even though they haven't tested positive for COVID, you send the kid to school. You you can't do that. I mean, if we understand that, you know, we have to, you know, figure out ways to keep these schools open, you, you do need the parents to accept some degree of responsibility. And when I said that yesterday, somebody sent me a text saying, well, you know, Jeff, you know, people always sent the kids to, to school, you know, when, when they were sick and things like that. Well, okay, um, okay, that, that's fine, but you got to realize it's a different sort of time now. All right, 855-616-1620. Jeff, I think virtual learning, it works well for my sixth grader because the whole class is virtual. It is, however, a bit of a challenge for my high school child because the teacher is trying to teach both in school and virtual students at the same time. My kids happen to have a condition that would classify them as risk, so virtual is the best option. Socialization still happens with the technology that's out there. Jeff, candidly, I think there are too many distractions at home. We are doing our best, and it is dot, 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 difficult. I'm worried about how behind they are falling. Also, many technical difficulties teach keep teachers troubleshooting for much of the time. Yeah, I mean, as somebody who... I, I have not been on anywhere near as many Zoom meetings or conference things as, as most of you have, because I try my best to avoid those. But yeah, I, I mean, I can't tell you how many times you're on one of these things and you spend, I don't know, 10 minutes of it going, oh, I didn't push that button, or you can't hear me, or or whatever. Um, ours are doing a great job with the circumstances they have been dealt, but candidly, I hope it's over very soon. Jeff, um, I don't think it works at all. I have five children, some in high school. I have a middle schooler and two in elementary. I don't even like how much they are using Chromebooks now for their education. I also substitute, and we're back in person five days a week. They're still using the Chromebook so much for their reading. They use a site that allows them to listen to the reading. They're having to log in to do reading online instead of writing, in which case they use the microphone on the computer to do their spelling for them. I'm not in favor of how much the computers are being used because the kids are not going to know how to read and they're not going to know how to write. 855-616-1620. Heather in Wauwatosa. Hi, Heather. You're on WTMJ. 
Hello. Hello. Uh, my son has gone back to school two days a week, Monday and Tuesday, and then the rest of the school goes back Thursday and Friday, and I could not be more happier. Uh, I think he learns way better. His social interaction is, is needed for his age. He's in sixth grade. Uh, right. Learning is not warning, working. Distractions, um, computer maybe not working, or everybody's online and the Internet's not working. Right. I think kids need to be back in school. Well, the other thing is just, I mean, kind of, of a, of a, you can only keep kids focused so long, particularly, and unless you, mom or, or dad, is there to stand over their shoulder and to say, "Okay, you you, you got to pay attention. You can't click on something else. You can't be doing something else." I mean, if they're in their room or they're in the computer desk or or whatever, there's just too many distractions. I think that that are out there. That's why you know at least at least in school there's something that they can focus their attention on instead of saying, "Hey, my PlayStation Two is right in that corner. Here, all I have to do is flip a button. Nobody's going to know the difference." And that's what I think is part of the problem. Plus, it's you know computer learning is fine, but it's computer learning. It's nowhere near as good as the real thing. Well, no, and he has gym and he has band, so he gets to do that. You can't really do that at home, like right. you can at school. Right. Well, yeah, or, right, or, or, I mean, art is the same sort of thing. I mean, I was talking to somebody who was an art teacher, and it's, I mean, I guess, you know, virtually they can show you how to draw certain things, but as a practical matter, you, you don't have an art teacher that can walk around the classroom and, and say, okay, this is how you draw that, or this is how you draw that. It's just, it, it, it's, it's very limited as to, as to what you can do, even in the best case scenario, and even with everybody trying to figure out how to make it work. Correct. Yeah. Thanks for calling. No, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, Jeff, my daughter is going crazy with my grandkids being home. Um, um, it, she says it feels this way because the child, their dad is high risk and they don't want the kids to bring home the virus. Yeah, I, I understand. But, you know, it's it's one of those situations. Jeff, I feel the kids need to be back in school, but in the same breath, I feel like the administrations have to be start making it a safe environment for teachers. I live in Kenosha. There were a lot of things going on in schools that the administration promised, um, and it turns out they're not there for the teachers. Well, I mean, obviously you want to keep people safe. Now, as far as the, the teachers go, and we've talked about this before, I, I, I guess I kind of look at the situation that, you know, if we have people in medical care, people who've been going in, and we have the hairdressers that have been going in, and we have the people who've been working through all this as the cashiers at the pick and saves and the Walmarts and things like that, it seems to me maybe the teachers can be back in as well. This is Jeff Wagner.